What's going on, good people? Rich here. It's your girl Ray P back on the mic. What's going on, everybody? Hold on, not just regular Ray P. We got the rejuvenated, <laughs> refreshed, dark skinned Ray P with us. You know what I'm saying? She Period. got the I she got the island girl tan on her today. I'm really supposed to be brown. I keep telling people that and they don't believe me, but I'm supposed to have a significant amount more of melanin than I have. But amen. Thank God for the sun. Hey, man. How was the birthday trip? It was amazing. I was in Antigua for five days. I will 100% go back. It has 365 view of degree view of like the ocean. So Various beaches, water every fucking where, clear water, clear water. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just amazing. The food was good, the people were nice, the scene, the scenery was just amazing. If you follow my YouTube or YouTube, if you follow my IG, check a take a look at my reel. I might post some more pictures in my story or some random grid photos but it was amazing it was just what i needed to kick off this not really milestone year but um whatever it is after a milestone it's, it's an important year <laughs> it's, an it's important. just an important year it's a, a personal yeah. personal important i think both of us are viewing 36 whoops i don't know shout us out like that all right cool man I, you know what i mean i didn't mean to shout us out like that but i think both of us are viewing it the same way it's kind of like that I think this year is very important to the next three or four. I don't know yes. if you view it that way, but I do as well. That's kind of how I viewed it. So I'm like yeah. really taking a lot of things. I've been. It's interesting to see myself just firmly standing on certain boundaries and certain things 100%. that I told myself. Like, 100%. I'm not more, holding so up. I'm trying to tell you. Right. More so. It's almost like it's almost like you physically exhausted of it and you don't have any more limit to it. Like I have no choice but to stand on what I said I'm going to do because I ain't got time for it no more. Exactly that. Um, Exactly. So that's, that's dope, man. You deserve. I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself. Thank um, you. Blessings to the new to the new year for Ray P. New year. Um, with that being said, I don't even think we introduce ourselves other than our names. So uh, welcome back, everyone listening to another episode of We Got Y'all. Mm -hmm. This is the television feed for the Culture Garden podcast, uh, where we talk about film and filmmakers and everything for the culture. That link is in our link tree. If you follow us on Instagram, the Culture Garden Podcast, you will have access to everything that we do. Like I said, the Culture Garden feed, the YouTube feed, and also the We Got Y'all feed, which you're listening to us. So just keep doing what you do there. Please continue to like, to share, to subscribe, to rate, to review. All of that helps us. And more importantly, we're just excited to get back with you another week and um, talk on these microphones about television. We really love it. We enjoy it. And we have great content, which is your honor. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about part 18 today. Before we do, if you not, have not seen the episode, there will be spoilers. Um, so please make sure you go back and watch it. Also, explicit content similar to the show. So the baby's in the car. Make sure, you know, you know they, they got their earmuffs on, or, you know, got the, the tablet in front of them, whatever the case may be. Um, this week's episode, part 18, was directed by Carrie Preston. It was written by Ron Nino, if I'm saying his name right. Peter Moffat and Brandy, McCul Brandy Nicole, excuse me, those are uh, familiar names with your honor. Mm -hmm. And the synopsis for part 18 is Eugene escapes danger only to run head first into new jeopardy. Frustrated with Michael, Olivia sets her sights on an unlikely new mark. Big Mo's triumphant opening night takes an unexpected dark turn. Rachel. Ciao. We, we talked last week about 
part 17 being a, kind of a transitional episode. Um, mm-hmm. I still think that part 16 was probably my favorite episode, if not of the series, then definitely of season two. Okay. I just think there was so much going on and we just got so much jam-packed information. Um, last week was a downturn for that, and I, I kind of predicted that it was going to heat up these next three episodes. And I think part 18 was the episode where this is the firm foundation, along with a couple parts of part 17, which we'll talk about. But this was the firm foundation of how these last two episodes are going to go. What were your overall thoughts watching this episode? Um, I liked it. I know that sounds so basic to say, but I did enjoy the episode more than 17. Um, I really feel like I was left with quite a bit more questions for okay. episode 18 than some of the previous episodes. I started off, I don't want to get into like, you know, um, running down the episode, but I was very confused to see Chris with <laughs> come back into um, the lounge with Big Mo. I didn't understand why he was there. And later, obviously, we see him sort of have an aha moment and go back and raid the other, you know, fronts, but what the fuck are you here for? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up that Chris point because let me just ask you this question and I'll, I'll get into the Chris point in a second. I feel like the first season was more of a edge of my seat. Can't stop watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's because we were just trying to get to the end result and see what the, you know, the conclusion was going to be, but I feel like this one is a little bit more, I don't want to say all over the place, but a little all over the place. Uh, And I think that might have to do with our timeline. Do you feel the same way? Like, I don't know. I feel like some of these episodes are happening at the same time. Like I feel like 17 and 18 are kind of happening in a similar, like, I don't know if they're one or two days apart. I don't know if you feel that, if that makes any sense, but I don't know. Something just doesn't um, connect from a continuity perspective because it was odd that chris was just chilling because i'm like bro i know like if you live in that life like you ain't about to go to home depot like so i get that <laughs> but at the same time like you got real beef with her like you just left your brother's funeral like that's not some i'm outside having your back type of moment a lot of it feels like we weren't supposed to get a season two but here we are as good as season two has been Mm-hmm. It feels like, oh, let's do this shit because there was a positive response to season one because we knew that it was a limited series and there wasn't supposed to be a second season, you know? So I think that there are a bit of uh, continuity issues or maybe some of the writing staff has changed and or maybe even cultural references maybe they don't have access to them anymore or something to that effect you know because I I I don't get why he was there and to your point no you probably don't go to Home Depot but just yesterday (laughs) essentially it was little Mo gotta pay you know um Mm -hmm. so here you are today upset that she isn't trusting you to the real work because let's not forget yeah, little Mo is cul- big Mo is culpable because she is a drug lord. However, the error in your brother's life is on your hands and your irresponsibility. That's a good point. Oh, so, yeah, you back here, but 
No, the fuck, I'm not trusting you to big shit. That's a very good point. That's a very <laughs> good point. We we discussed that last week, and I don't think that can be overlooked. Even though Big Mo is essentially bringing the drugs in the community, mm-hmm. this particular death has everything to do with you not being careful. And she trying not to bring them to the community. She trying to bring them to the white man's door. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she pretty much said that. So, I mean, you have a good point there. You have a great point. Um, And I do love the point that you made about the, this feels like it wasn't supposed to have a season two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that just kind of hits the nail on the head. That's just what it is. I mean, like you said, I want to double down on that. They are doing a great job with the story that they're telling, because in a sense, we have to remember this was adapted from the show Kaboto. Okay. Um, so they had kind of a blueprint. And I'm curious to see. I don't know if anybody knows or have ever seen that the original one. I think it was an Israeli version. But I wonder how I wonder if the shows ended the same. Like mm-hmm. season one. I wonder if they ended similar. I know the the premise and the plot was the same, but I wonder if they went the same direction because they had something like a blueprint to work off of when I did they I think they did it like brilliantly. But season two is just more of an original story, more kind of holes to fill in. Yeah. And a lot of characters to really like focus in on when you do a mini series or a limited series. Like I, you, you kind of have to limit those to like a few main characters or a few storylines. And you kind of got a few um, going on simultaneously with season two. So sometimes it can be a lot to keep up with, but I am enjoying it. I don't want to take away from that. Yeah, I really am. I really am. Um. Let's get into part 18 and just kind of talk about different aspects of these characters. Um, if anybody's been familiar with this, we are breaking these down pretty much by the people and what's going on in their life. We don't do it scene by scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been breaking down what's going on in Michael's life, what's going on in the Baxter's life, and what's going on in Desire. I think for this episode, it is fitting to have Eugene with his own section. Yeah. Um, he's not really desire. He doesn't fit in with anyone else. And I think his storyline has enough, especially in this episode, mm-hmm. to where we can discuss what's going on with him. And as everybody knows, if you've been listening to us, fan favorite, man. I'm really rooting for Eugene. Soft landing. Baxter's got to pay. The Baxter's got to pay. Eugene can't go to jail for no damn 30 years. Nah, he can't do it. Eugene knows that too. How did you feel about Eugene saying, let's take this to trial? It's an interesting concept. <laughs> I thought about that a lot because it was very telling to me that Eugene is concerned about his image mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and explaining himself. Yeah. Because he's lived and brought up in a world where you are painted one way. From the time you even make your first decision for yourself, people got you labeled. Mm-hmm. So, yes, while these accusations may be true, there's a much wider picture yeah. um, that everyone needs to see. And it didn't go down like you thought it went down. Because once you're labeled, you know, I think you said a thug that shot up a hotel. That's just kind of what you are. That's how people yeah. are going to see you. That they, That's all they want to know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I thought it was very interesting that he is concerned with telling his side of things. Um, I think it was very interesting when we first see Eugene in this episode. He's in a cell at the very end mm-hmm. of the, uh, you know, the cell placement is very similar to where Kofi was yeah. when he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, that, that eerie walk, just the same clothes. 
a lot of similarities with the symbolism about the system being a cycle, you know, one in, one out, it just kind of keeps going and going. But it's a cause and effect thing. It's really a cause and effect. And I think Eugene has a lot of emotional intelligence to where he figured out, we can kind of tell by everything he's done, right? So season one, why the money is left on the, on the, on the, um, the rocking chair outside of Big mm-hmm. Mo. He brings it back in because he knows that's the right thing to do. Bag full of money that little Mo left when he got jammed up in Houston. He brings it back to Big Mo because he knows that's the right thing to do. Even if he doesn't think that she deserves that bread, yeah. you know that's the morally right thing to do. He knows it's the morally right thing to not kill Carlo when he has a drop on him and has a clear opportunity because he doesn't want to be that person. He wants people to see him in a light that his community doesn't necessarily shine mm-hmm. or get, doesn't get that recognition. So it also showed that he's 15, 16, however old, because 30 years is a lot to take to trial. Like, and we see Kofi said, all right, I'll take it. I'll do it. Yeah. Maybe he's looking at that and like, this is how my brother ended up. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging because people at least have to know, at least if I go on trial, people can hear my side of the story. Yeah. Versus me saying that I got, I admitted to this and, you know, that's how I'm living the rest of my life. Um, I agree. It it made Eugene bold and brave to me, even though we've seen those characteristics of him. And I felt like the offers that Lee brought, as to which, pause, I don't think Lee is a great lawyer in general. And so her saying that she doesn't want to be one anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what makes you think Lee's not a good lawyer? Um. I didn't feel like she was in season one in her pursuit of Eugene. Um, And I know that Charlie made a a comment in season one saying that, you know, that Michael had basically, quote unquote, groomed her and she was the next Michael. However, something about the way that she was handling Eugene and trying to handle Kofi's case just wasn't that great and if she's such a good lawyer no matter if Michael is your mentor he still was like kind of golding her through the process you know so Mm -hmm. I I don't know and so seeing her up against um the DA essentially I'm like yeah she ain't got that dog in her like that can can I interject real quick yeah I think I agree with you but my main reasoning is because I don't want to say she's too emotional, but she is not um, she's not even killed enough. Yeah. Her reactions to certain situation. I need my lawyer to be calm and act like they know what they're doing. All right. So even when she's there's the scene with her and Kofi and he's like 30 years, like I can't do 30. And then she asked him to snitch on desire. He's like, you know what they're going to do to me? And she's like, I know, I know. Like she's getting up and, you know, you never see a lawyer act like that in front of their client. Like the lawyers are the ones who knows what's going on. If my lawyer is more shook than me, it's time for a new lawyer. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, she just she just doesn't seem to have it. And even though she came up with the plan to essentially hell snitch, I guess, on Michael, it's it still wasn't quite right. It's something about her that just I say it all the time isn't curling all the way over. Um, I don't think that she has enough wit. If she ain't got that dog in her that I think that you have to have 
especially, and I know that uh, the DA said she's basically been doing like contracts and stuff, but you started off in the criminal world. You have to have thick ass skin and you can love Eugene and be his advocate, but she's way too emotional. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to say she's too emotionally invested, but she is because, but you should care about your clients this and the third, but yeah, no, I don't think that. I think Eugene needs a Michael. Yeah. And not a Lee. Eugene needs a Proctor from Power. <laughs> exactly that. But home already. Definitely. He needs a Proctor, somebody that's ruthless, somebody that's not afraid to really, really play dirty. And we see a little bit of that with her willing to blackmail essentially the DA's office, but no, nah, she ain't got it. She might get him in more trouble. And I don't think that she is prepared to take this to court. That part, right? Because I was thinking when she, I was thinking about her playing her hand because she got a big joker. Yeah. Right? She got yeah. a big joker with that. I know Michael fixed a trial mm -hmm. um, because the last thing any courthouse or any system wants is to have reopen all these cases mm -hmm. and be labeled as corrupt. Yep. Yep. And how long has Michael been on the stand? Years. Exactly. exactly. And he even made reference to that. What was it? Harry the Frank? Harry the Shark? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's a shark, but I know exactly the guy from Chicago. <laughs> he called yeah. Carlo, yeah. Yeah. So it, that's that's very... Um, I, I didn't know if Lee played that too early. I think she I definitely just, did. I think that's just a, that's a big hand to only get that sentence and I know that's a lot don't get me wrong I know you looking at life with no parole so 30 years to 10 maybe 3 with good time so it might not get that much better than that but I don't know if I'm running to him and do I trust this dude that I'm telling this information to because that's a big accusation that part you know what I mean because the first thing I thought about was him and he said he has to talk to his bosses how does he get this approved without actually saying she has information because if she has information my first thing would be like, we getting her disbarred. Yeah. Like, I'm not even gonna, if I'm his boss, like, I'm, why are we even fighting this case? Like, she's, mm -hmm. she's, uh, she's blackmailing the judicial system. That part. That part. So I don't even know how they play it. <laughs> like, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm curious to see how that, that works out. Ain't prepared. I think you're 100% right. If I'm yeah. the DA, I'm like, okay, you got this. I have to protect, now I have to protect all of us and I have to protect the system, unfortunately. I'm sorry, little black boy. No, I don't want you to spend the rest of your life in jail. But also, I have to pay my bills. I have mouths to feed. And I can't mm. afford for that to be upended on some bullshit, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, like I said, I know that they do not want any news of corruption, but yeah. there's always a way to cover that up. There's always insides with the media and the news outlets on how to tell the story a certain way. So I think that's more easy to manage than you know, let's just have this rogue lawyer saying all this information and, and trial when it's a little bit mm -hmm. you know, more difficult to get a, a lid on it. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. One thing I did notice, um, and it goes back to your point about Eugene in the 30 years, it, it's very interesting how all the damage, like lifelong damage and harm, mm -hmm. is done to the kids and the youth yep. in the show. Yep. Um, 
you know, the parents say, and it's all because of the nonsense and the lives that their parents live, mm -hmm. right? You know, Rocco's death, um, even though that's kind of an accident, it's still it not, huh? It was an accident. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was an accident, but it starts there. You have Adam who gets killed because his dad kept up this big lie throughout an entire season you have fia who loses you know someone she loves dearly on top of losing her family because of the yeah. nonsense they have going through like she doesn't know what she is in life and we'll get to her in a second but it was just very interesting to think about like man oh there's been a lot of traumatic stuff that happened to these kids in this show kofi we didn't even mention kofi his, his siblings my goodness we'll get there but when olivia lay all of that shit out I was shook because Fia has only heard rumors of her family. And here it is, confirmation of all the foolishness and all the dark things that she's been shielded from, essentially. You know, you've heard grumblings that they're dangerous people. You don't know that they're actually murdering families and doing God knows whatever else the fuck they be doing, you know? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It is definitely interesting. But I think that's it with Eugene. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens with him these last two episodes. We know he's going to trial. We know that he cannot snitch because yeah. that's over for him inside. We also know that he can't do extended jail time. You know, he even right. mentioned Kofi was stronger than me. He couldn't last a week. Right. Eugene can't sleep. She asked him why something happened. No, it's just this place. So he is yeah. not built for this. So I, they've got to, something's got to happen for my dog. Eugene is a child. In the adult prison. He's mm -hmm. not in juvie. He's in full-on jail. And I know we said that's enough, but it reminded me of when they see us, when they had um, yeah, them boys in them fucking adult-ass jails. Like, these are mm -hmm. teenagers. So. Yep. Many, many examples like that. So, you're yeah. absolutely right. And Eugene looks shook. Like, that part. He looks shook. Like, he don't even look like there's some teenagers who look like grown men or look kind of like life has turned them into grown men. Yeah. Eugene still, still has that. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very. So, even though he's seen so much, there is an innocence quality about him, a naivete that we see, you know, want to go to trial. Mm hmm. <sighs> Absolutely. Dog, man. Absolutely. Free my dog. Straight up. <laughs> straight up, man. So. You want to talk about Michael? You want to talk about the Baxters? You want to talk about Desire? Let's talk Desire. Let's keep it black for a second. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it black. Um, we already mentioned Chris mm -hmm. and how it doesn't make sense that he's outside because the first time we see Desire, we see Big Mo outside of her new club, yeah, ready for the grand opening. You know, the sign is going up. It's just a marvelous thing as far as them taking a step back and realizing like, yo, we did this. We in the French quarters and mm -hmm. it's more, you know, fun to see, I guess in the episode when you actually see the opening night, you see the line yeah, as, um, as two black people who have frequented the night scene in our, in our day, Ciao. just seeing that black ass club, you know, in the French quarters across from this quote unquote elegant Baxter hotel. It was just one of those moments like, all right, damn, like I gotta give it to Big Mo shit. Even though this this club is cost her everything. <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally cost her everything. Um it was dope to see her hustle to get there. Mm -hmm. um, 
once again, it didn't make sense that Chris was out there with her kind of celebrating that. But the most important thing is with Desire, specifically Big Mo, is that Gina Baxter, Big Mo element. Yeah. We were teasing it all episode, and we didn't get the scene that I wanted. I, I don't know if the I don't know if her bringing that Louis the Thirteenth over was supposed to be the like the big um, tumultuous scene that we were waiting on. Hopefully, that's a lead up because that wasn't it. I would say, I, what are you looking for from? I think that they have a major confrontation. I think that later in these next two, some hands get thrown or some. Yes. That's what I'm looking for. Violence happens. That's what I'm looking for because they teased it. Like I said, we they kind of teased it all year, and then yeah. you finally have her with Big Mo stepping out in the street and Gina stopping the car. Do you Big think Mo that she initially really didn't see her? I couldn't tell if she was really trying to hit her or she was like, "Oh shit." I think yeah. I think it was an "oh shit" moment. I think yeah. I think Gina's reaction was if you, her reaction in the car was. Um, I was not trying to hit her. I think she would have been a lot more calm. Yeah. Almost like we said about Lee, how she's not like even killed. Gina yeah. is. Very much so. Very yeah. much Gina's, so. Gina's a cold, she's cold bloody. Yeah, she is. That so bitch I think if she, you said what? That bitch got bite. She got bite. Mm -hmm. So I think if she was really trying to mess with Big Mo, they would have panned to Gina with like almost a smirk on her face. Almost like, yeah, yeah I, you, I got the drop on you if I really wanted to. I just mm -hmm. want you to know. Yeah, like that could have been it for you if it really wanted to go down. So I think she was just startled, um, and it just so happened she looked up and said, "Oh, I don't like you anyway." Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, between that scene and like I said, just uh, them in the club later on, they just they've been teasing this Gina Big Mo confrontation, and I'm waiting for it to pop off. I, I definitely think that it'll be something much more tumultuous than the bottle. But what did you think of them coming? I thought that, yeah, Gina has bite, but here's the thing. Across the street, that's your shit. Over here, we ain't going. I like that it was trouble with she and Carlo getting in. Like, motherfucker, no, you can't come in here. Get in line. You ain't on no special list. You know, I like that because... Stay in your place. You don't run yeah. here. This is different. Absolutely. This is yeah. Mm -mm. Without, without question. And it's the French Quarter, so you really can't get nothing popping off for real. Like, yeah, yeah. I know there's a little bit of security. I know, uh, or excuse me, I have in knowing that you're not really going to do nothing here. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just too busy of an area, too high end. It's bad for business, yours and mine. That's the benefit of being across the street from them, because any negative thing that happens to us. Y'all across ain't nobody gonna stay there. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. you know, so everything we do is between us. Like we just know it's this little beef and tension. And um Louis the thirteenth is expensive. Five hundred dollars a shot. Like extremely. That's not an exaggeration. I don't know if anybody's like been to the liquor store and just seen a <laughs> bottle like, like fourteen hundred dollar bottle, pretty much. I see. And they range, they can go over higher, higher than that. Um, what you think about our bar with <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that change from all liquor. Um, I wasn't surprised. It sounded like some racist white shit. Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, that's really it. Like, the difference between the Baxters and Desire is, yes, we're all criminals. However, the Baxters think that they're better. 
because they yeah. don't do low level dope shit. And here these niggas are from the ninth ward in the hood, but we're white collar essentially. I mean, we get down in the gutter, but because we're white, it's not looked at the same way. So her being rich, having her genetic background and makeup, if you know anything about the history of uh, <laughs> some racism between the families and black mm -hmm. people, you know, like her being racist and saying little shit like that is not surprising at all. Nah, it's really not. Isn't but I will say this because I mentioned this in a previous episode. It's almost like they've done an intentional job of not bringing race into the picture. Not you know what I mean, this is like way. not in an overt way. This is like the one of the first few overt ways where it was like, all right, that was racist comment. Even that is not really. You just kind of got to know what's going on and what's being said. Read between the lines. It wasn't smack you over the head, racist, but it Mom, was definitely. Yeah, it was like, oh, this nigga right here. I know that you have some sort of money, and this should be a break from your malt liquor. Even if she would have said Hennessy, bitch, nah, I'm not calling you a bitch. <laughs> malt liquor is $20, $10, if that. Are you Definitely fucking crazy? Nah. <laughs> Definitely a deal. I'm not going. I'm not going. She could have said this is a break from your low-level Hennessy or something, you know? But malt liquors, who drinks malt liquors? Niggas. Desire, Big Mo. Crackheads, you know? <laughs> Black people drink malt liquor and very poor whites. So mm -mm, it was definitely racist. Um, nah, it was racist. Don't get me wrong, it was. It was just <laughs> shows like this normally like hit you over the head with it. Yeah. Like I said, that's one of the first few. So I always found that pretty interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. And I know you got to wrap a lot of things up in these last few episodes, but when they were at Bufus and the second in command, I can't think of his. I know there's Chris, and I can't think of the other dude. The I don't know why pretty, I can't think of that nigga with the locks name. I can't think of his name. He's pretty much her right hand, right? This entire episode, but he gives her the money and sets it on the table and said, "That's just set away. That's just set up our friends in Houston." Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the end of the cartel storyline? Do you think that one scene was to kind of let us know, all right, they getting their money, ain't no beef, ain't no drama, because that's a lot to kind of squeeze in these last two episodes? Yeah, Yes and no. I think that that was an attempt to do that, but there is something in me that says that because everything else has gone wrong with their transactions, that maybe that drop never makes it to Houston. Hmm. So, yeah, this money was put away and we saw him take it outside and pack it up. I don't even know if we saw him take it outside, but we saw it packed up separately. But Oh, you know what you just reminded me of? What? We don't know if that money made it out. Like, That's I wonder. Just... Yeah, I'm about to say that just what you just <laughs> said just reminded me of that. Like, damn. So that would leave the door open for Roger to come knocking. Exactly. Uh, because there was... Not in this next episode, but I remember earlier in the season, there was like a this season on your honor type of preview mm -hmm. and somebody's club was getting shot up. I don't know what club it was or what the case was, but mm. we ain't seen it get shot up yet. And we I don't know if it was get shot up yet. So I don't know if that's a car. It looked like a cartel move. I don't think the Baxters move like that. Mm -mm. It's too um, loud. Too loud for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> reminds me of a uh, <laughs> hey man, this shows me racist, man. <laughs> it reminds me of a scene. 
school school gonna be listening and she's gonna get weak it reminds me of a scene in the show sons of anarchy have you ever seen that yeah uh where there's a season one clay tries to frame a murder that they're doing on the black gang <laughs> he said hey man this shit's so racist he said make it ghetto make it gangster <laughs> So pretty much told them like get automatic weapons and like uh-huh. do the drive by type of scene. Uh-huh. And like, hey, uh-huh. That's how they be. Um, but either way, <laughs> yeah. So with that little bit of information, I don't think that the money makes it out. Yeah, that's a good. They've been known to fumble a few things, you know. They weren't the right and left hand for a reason. Yo, where's the um? Where's the next in line in New Orleans? Like, somebody should have been challenged Big Mo for the throne because Big Mo be moving crazy out here on the block. Um, hmm. Like, where is the Marlo Stanfield to her Avon Barksdale? Like, who was coming over to say, like, yo, your time is done. I'm running New Orleans now. Well, here's the thing. Does Big Mo run New Orleans or does she run the ninth? Ah, good question. We don't know. I mean, she's if she, she's got enough clout to get a club in the French quarters, right? Make me believe, and she's got the mayor's ear, right? He's from the ninth. She got some pool. I don't know how much that pool, pool is, but she got some pool. I think I don't know. I think that there are other dogs um, around New Orleans, and they maybe move differently or different product type situation you know we might move bodies opposed to moving work we might move guns opposed to bodies you know i don't know um hmm. but every everybody got a top dog so maybe it's, it's that that's, one <laughs> that's, that's that's fair i'm not sure which one it actually is but that's fair yeah um i'm trying to think of my dog's name that's that's we say he's gonna be our New Orleans. Um, oh, I think yeah. Mike. Yeah, Mike. Man, shout out to Mike Husky, Mike Husky Jr. Man, you can help us out. Hit us up um, after you listen to this episode. Let us know, man. Has New Orleans got multiple top dogs. You think Big Mo running things? Help I would think so. Just like between the various wars, like okay, you the ninth, but here is seventh war. Here's fourth war. Like we, it's different over here. And if you've been to New Orleans, the cultures in the various wards are a little different, you know, like it's still New that's, Orleans, but they each got fair. a different sauce to them. That's fair. I'm thinking about, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say much more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see Big Mo in love. Big Mo is in love. She bought a ring. She proposed. <laughs> nice ring, too. A very a nice ring that ends up getting taken and replaced with a balloon, an empty balloon, um, which I think is a clear message that, yo, I'm the, Big Chris not only did it, he's not hiding the fact that he did it. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, this was Chris. The bartender recognized him. Like, Yeah, what absolutely. The fuck? What are you doing? Yeah, he had his hair out. Come on, man. You, you ain't even trying to hide, bro. I'm surprised you even went in with a mask. I, I don't know what this means because you went in with people. I'm assuming these other people were also desire. Yeah, they're gonna ride with Chris. Like it's listen, when you number one, you live a different lifestyle. Everybody underneath is hungry. And the number two ain't saying much because he just got promoted. Right. So I'm gonna ride. Like, you know, I'm I'm the right hand. 
and not get off of that guilt off his conscience. One once Mo said, "This ain't on you. This is on him." Motherfucker, I'm cool. <laughs> exactly. So we saw at the we saw at the at Chris's mom's house. There were people there, and we saw that when Big Mo came in and found out the news about his brother dying, mm-hmm. they kind of all turned their back. Like, they done with Big Mo. Yeah. And they're going to find a new leader. I don't know if that's going to be Chris. I don't know if that's going to be Little Mo. I don't know what the situation is going to be. But they got somebody that's going to compete with Big Mo, and he's not. That's just a ballsy move, though. Because stealing, I mean, they're, they're, the, the phrase, the honor amongst thieves, is a real thing. I mean, they are criminals, but. There's got to be some kind of meeting or discussion about that. You hit everywhere except the opening. Mm-hmm. All her spots. And you think it's not a death wish? I have to kill you. Who's going? Who's she going to do it? Who's, is she going to do it herself? Where are her Maybe. soldiers at? They all with Chris. No, there was people in there with her when she and uh dreads went back to check. A couple, not enough to really go after who came in. I'm just saying, I just think yeah, that there's no, you're right. Somebody she's got to find somebody. It might have to be some young boys. She might have to well, she can't call Rudy. She might have to call <laughs> she might have to call somebody. Maybe she calls the cartel for a favor. Maybe the money got out and she can do that again. I don't know. But Chris got to pay now, cause what the you fuck? Can't, you can't call the cartel because you're gonna have you're gonna owe them your organization. Your organization look crazy. Huh. Not only that, you you don't want to be indebted to the cartel. Like you want that relationship to stay tr- purely transactional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's my work. Here's your bread. On to our next day. Once you start getting the favors, and you owe an organization like the cartel a favor. Yeah. Like that means that it doesn't matter big or small. You're gonna do this favor. Yeah, and I don't think that's something she wants to get involved in. You're right, you're right. Um, so she's got to figure this out on her own. What did you think of Janelle coming to the club to booth us after she specifically told her to go home? It makes me wonder, um, and I know we'll never get this much information in a mini series, but it makes me wonder what the dynamics of that relationship are because they've alluded to, you know. They've had conversations such as don't ask, you know don't what tell. I do. Don't ask, don't tell. You kind of know what I do, but you don't know. Yeah. Um, you really have some plausible deniability, but you get you know where I get my money from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was Janelle just wanting to see that for herself, or if she was just being dumb. Mm-hmm. Because when I say dumb, I mean if I know somebody is some criminal shit, I don't want to know no nothing else. I don't want to know anything else. You already told me too much. I literally just told this nigga that earlier today. Like, there are things that I know (laughs) that I never want to know have happened. I Mm -hmm. never, ever, ever want to know. Because if some shit ever go down, like, nigga, no, I don't know shit. And ain't gonna know shit. So her coming was, it was stupid to me. I was like, what the fuck are you doing there? Yeah, it's I dumb. She was like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing here? I didn't that's a, Yeah, everything's going wrong. And I specifically told you to go home. Like, why and are I, you here? Why are you here? And I get maybe wanting to check. Like, let me make sure my baby's okay. But nigga, you know I'm going to do some shit 
with some criminals to check on my business, you don't know, one, what kind of harm's way you're walking into. Take your ass home. They could have been out there waiting for them to come. Can I give you, Can I, can, I was just going to say this. Can I give a shout out to the show for not, I think most, I'd say 80% of television shows, mm-hmm. as soon as you see that engagement ring earlier in the episode, that's kind of like one of those preludes to something bad is about to happen. Yeah. So her showing up and not dying was actually like a nod to the show because they easily could have killed her <laughs> and sent and sent Big Mo in a spiral these last two episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of TVs use that trope and the fact that they didn't, I do appreciate. So I just want to shout that out. Well, didn't something bad happen? The clubs got raided. <laughs> well, I mean, like a death. Like they usually use that opportunity for a death, like somebody big. The same way with Eugene. We thought Eugene was out of here, but he wasn't. Like a lot of shows would have just kind of hit us with that and moved on. Um, but I just I don't understand what her. She's she's very fascinated with what Big Mo does, even though she doesn't want to be a part of that life. Here's and I don't know if maybe she needs to see it for herself in order to leave. I don't know if she's close to leaving. I don't know what that's like. Well, she was ready for forever. Yeah. So she ain't close to, well, she wasn't. Now she might be, now that she got that gun pointed in her face. She might be close to leaving now. Yeah. Because <laughs> then we have a similar situation, like in a couple episodes prior. She walked in on Little Mo. Little Mo. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And this is what you do to family. That is what she said. I think that Janelle has a level of curiosity that is going to be dangerous for her. She's never heard, obviously, curiosity killed the cat. Her ass almost got killed. Um, Janelle, like the cat got nine lives. (laughs) I'm going to take my chances. (laughs) She wants to know Mo better. She wants to know everything about her, but also... Again, we talked about naivete with Lee, with Eugene. When you are dealing with people who are in a particular lifestyle, you cannot know everything. Take your ass home. And I'm curious as to where home is. Does little Mosa live in the ninth? Is that the house that she was going to? Right. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like that house in the ninth was the community house. Yeah. Well, hold on. Because remember, Eugene pulled up at her crib uh-huh. with the money. I don't think that's the night. That, that crib didn't look like it was the house. Yeah. yeah. There's no way Big Mo's living in the night. Um, I don't know. I don't know where home is. That's a good question. But Janelle ain't about that life. Not. And she really needs, like, I'm real big on plausible deniability. Like, 100%. Like, if somebody really asks you, um, it's a, it, there's a scene in The Sopranos in season one where Tony has this undercover cop working for him. Mm-hmm. He visits him. He visits him at the, the strip club that he owns. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, he says, "Well, show me the liquor license. That way, if there's a lie detector test or somebody really asks, like mm-hmm. I can tell them this is what I came for." Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to cover it up with something real. So you got to. Janelle ain't about that. I don't know why she even you know playing with fire in that manner. But we'll see if she sticks around. Um, she did sound good up there. I will say that. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Beautiful voice. Yeah. Looked good. Sounded good. Shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all I have for Desire. You got anything else? No, I'm interested to see what happens next. Because um, we saw in the preview for the next episode. I don't know if you watched um, 
we see Little Mo, the return mm -hmm. of Little Mo, essentially, and he basically is a hired hitman or something. He's freelance, whatever that is. Yeah, free agent. Like he, he, he it yeah. sounds like Chris recruited him. Like, yo, be my partner. Let's take this over. You know, you know better than anybody else mm -hmm. in the Ninth War. I won't say New Orleans, but at <laughs> least in the Ninth, how to run this. Yeah. Um, and Big Mo, like I said, Big Mo doesn't have anyone. Like you're only as good as your soldiers. Mm -hmm. that's what the issue is right now who else is kind of like jimmy like jimmy you who do you have bro besides carlo that got your back right now and carlo gonna... yeah carlo ain't it so do you want to just transition into the baxters mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, while carlo is not it he's actually kind of showing some initiative um he's working on ways to enhance the security system and monitor potential threats from multiple locations one of the first times we see Carlo is a far cry from when Jimmy was showing him the waterfront and Carlo just kind of looking like, well, what are we doing here to now? OK, I kind of get it a little bit. I want to show that I you know, have some worth in this organization. And Jimmy still kind of treats him like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. You know, he don't take Carlo serious. Um, I don't take Carlo serious. I <laughs> felt like Carlo out. We see outside of um the the ninth ward club i felt like it showed that carlo really ain't him nah you talking about the scene when gina actually walks up yeah let me tell you something right now all right mm -hmm. let me tell you something right now tell me it's one thing to be head of security right mm -hmm. and you see something going down all right you gotta have my back mm -hmm. that's moms yo yeah that's moms mm -hmm. Doorman ain't none of that static, bro. That's like all that. That's that's dead. I know you have to play it civil. You're not there. The whole theme of the night was we're here to, you know, make sure we get everything on guard. Mm -hmm. We're being reactionary. We're not instigating. We're not instigating tonight. We're on our best behavior. That's moms, yo. That's everything why off the table. Away him. Yeah, everything off the table. On this <laughs> you ain't talking to moms a certain way. You ain't touching moms. Like you ain't doing none of that. Like I don't care. Like, and so it was interesting when they left, and Gina says, "Don't forget that you come from me." You know, mm -hmm. I think that she saw a little bit of that too for the first time, for real, for real. Like now, hold on, because Carmine would have ended this shit. <laughs> oh, that club would have been. That whole, that yeah. whole block would have been blown up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the Baxters, the Baxters, the Baxters, the Baxters. I like Jimmy talking to him about, you know, I don't wear a tie because I don't answer to nobody. I respect that. Um, I don't know. What did you think of Gina telling Jimmy basically that she's not in love with him anymore, even though we've known this? Um, can I say that? Yeah. Oh, sure. Go right. ahead. So let me let's because that's a big thing. Um, well, I guess we can talk about it now. So, no news here. You just said it. That's kind of mm -hmm. the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was disappointed as much as I give Jimmy credit for being a chess player mm -hmm. and being smart. Um, I don't understand how he can't read the room in that situation. He, I mean, he's really talking about reading some, you know, he was reading something that told me about this and mm -hmm. these type of situations. Like, bro, like, she's done with you. And she had to tell him in clear language, like, yo, I knew once the moment that, you know, 
it's a fundamental truth that it's your fault that Rocco's dead and I will never love you again. I mean, damn. Mm. Like, Gut the whole time, yeah, Jimmy's trying to hold her hands and say, we're going to get through this. And she was like, bro, like, none of this stuff that I've ever asked you to do is making it better. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to forgive you for Rocco not being here. Like, this is forever on your head. Like, she's not even open to the idea of this was an accident. Like she yeah. is solely putting that on Jimmy. And yeah. I'm really surprised she even wearing her rings too. Uh, because it's a power thing. Mm-hmm. Outside of the household, it's a power and status thing in the community. Marriage is currency. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes I forget. And I, I, I guess this is just the character of Gina herself, but I, I forget that Gina lost a child. Yeah. And how that is a real, I think anyone else you give a little bit more grace to mm-hmm. when they act out. I think it's the fact that we know that Gina ain't shit. But at the same time, like she lost a child and a lot of her rage and her anger is understandable if I'm looking at it from a neutral perspective. Rage and anger that she's choosing to live in. Yeah. Admittedly. Admittedly so. Um, I think that there is a hurdle when we see the discussion with the other grief uh, mother who she said, well, your son was on heroin. Um, and she said she and her husband never recovered. And I think that sort of gave Gina the push, quote unquote, that she needed to be like, all right, fuck out of here, Jimmy. I'm done with the shit. So that scene was very telling to me. Yeah. The one with Donetta. Donetta. The, yeah, mm-hmm. that she was at the coffee shop. It was interesting because that's the, in a weird way, that's the warmest I think we've ever seen Gina. Mm-hmm. I think she was very genuine. I think she really wanted to apologize for what she said about her son. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she caught herself. Like, not necessarily that I said it, but I didn't mean to. At the end of the day, I didn't want you to feel like your son's death didn't mean as much because he was an addict versus, you know, my son died in an accident. I think she was really open. I think she was listening to what Donette had to say. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just oddly human of Gina. And even her human moments is still like, oh, that she is unbearable. Um, But I thought it was, did did that strike you that she was kind of opening up? Or do you think she just kind of reached a point where she needed to she needed to have some sort of outlet? So here's the thing, and I was going to ask you this. I don't think that she running into Donetta was coincidental. Hmm. You think she knew that that's where... I think that she fully knew that that woman goes there. Donetta said she frequents it. She did say that. I was going to say they did have that mention. Hmm. So what do you think the purpose of the... What do you think the purpose of it? What's Gina's play? maybe they become friends after all she needs some sort of ally even if it's not to do criminal shit you need somebody who understands she needed that approval what if a person who sold heroin moved across the street from you I will blow their house up those are Donetta's words very much so so do you think you think we get another scene with Donetta in these last two episodes um yes Okay. 
Yeah. I'm curious to see where that's going to go. That's a good pool. I mean, I'm, I can't argue it. That's a very good pool. I just really thought that was an interesting conversation. And going back to the writing, I don't think you have that scene. Nothing. Yeah. Other than, yeah. other than for what you said, that's the push mm -hmm. that she might have needed to go forward with whatever plan she has. Because she's yeah. wrote, she's on her own. Right. And I do think that maybe she did want to apologize. And I know that you frequent this location, you know. Um, and, and that could be it. Like maybe they're not allies and quote unquote fighting what they can perceive as crime. But it, it was something. And then maybe the way Gina turned around, I very immediately I wrote down like, oh, she knew that bitch was going to be there. That's, very, that's a good pull. I didn't, I didn't take it that way, but you could absolutely be right. Mm -hmm. Especially, like I said, once they mention the fact that I come here often, like, all right, yeah, Jenna's smart. She's not dumb. Nobody has ever accused her of being dumb. Not at irrational, all. Rational, irrational, emotional, sure, mm -hmm. dumb. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. at all. Not at all. So, hmm. I'm gonna keep an eye on that. I'm gonna keep <laughs> an eye on that. That's interesting. And I just thought about something else. Uh, that's all I really have to say about the Baxter crime family. Um, mm -hmm. outside of fear, but. You know what? Gina was on some racist shit because at the beginning, when she busted in that security room and said, uh, do you know what kind of crowd that's going to attract? What kind yeah. of people are going to be here? I'm like, yeah. all right. Even though it didn't slap you over the head like you normally see it. I'm like, yo, you know, I know what you're saying without saying it. I know what you're saying. We need extra security. Ain't nobody think about y'all. Hey, man, let, let me tell y'all. Anybody out there listening, we just want to have a good time wherever we're going, man. We don't, want, we don't got nothing to do with what y'all got going on. That's it. That's it. Um, you want to talk about Fia yes, and, and Olivia? Um, okay, Fia and Olivia, because there's a few Fia moments that we can discuss. Okay. You want to start with Olivia? Olivia was dead ass wrong. Come on, man. I'm sick to death of Olivia. We see, I guess she ends up getting what she wants out of Michael and him agreeing to help her. But Olivia is dead ass wrong for showing up and approaching Fia the way that she did. And Michael is right. She is a child. And she really could be getting like a lot of trouble for that. That was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, yo. Because <laughs> you have to even, I don't know the law in that sense, so I don't want to misspeak, but even if Fia came to Olivia, I'm sure she still has to have some kind of legal representation or guardian. Or a guardian. Because yeah. she's a minor, like maybe there, maybe there's a, some kind of loophole because the people she's making a complaint about is are her guardians. I don't know, but it just seems like it would be off base to take information like that from a 17 year old or any minor from that matter. So how do you explain that? That's the first thing. Nothing new with Olivia coloring outside the lines. Um, nothing new with her being terrible at her job. Mm -hmm. Are you really just has your investigation fell apart to the point where you are? walking up to a 17-year-old girl asking her to flip on her family. Like, that's the last reason. That's the last resort move. That's like, I've tried everything else. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, though. What is what is there to flip Afia? Because she genuinely has the plausible deniability. She don't know what the fuck them people be doing. Right. She's heard rumors. She said, Okay, maybe this confirms the things I've heard about my parents. But she's not like Carlo. She's not in the family business. She literally has no idea what goes on behind those closed doors. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's that phrase? Can't see the trees through the forest. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of similar to that. Like she's so close to it and she still doesn't even know. Like mm -hmm. on purpose. Like she never wanted to know. Even wow. if she know, even if she knew. Yeah. Um I made a Sopranos reference earlier and there's also that moment where his family is like asking questions. Kids are asking questions like, yo, are you in the mob? Are you in the mafia? Like, it's kind of one of those things where she doesn't have that. She doesn't share that curiosity. She doesn't care. Like, she doesn't want to be a part of that at all. Even before Rocco and even before Adam, like, you can tell she was just different. I was right when I said that I didn't think she was going to flip on her family. Correct. You are. I just don't think she's like that. I just, that's not even her. I, I just think that's a tall task for any, to ask any 17 year old to flip on a family and put my family in jail. Like what? Like, right. No matter what I feel about them, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. I might leave their asses alone, but I'm not doing that. Because regardless, she too knows the implications of snitch culture. She knows mm -hmm. that as well. And Olivia has also said, excuse me, not Olivia, Fee has also mentioned, where am I going to go? Right. That's all she still has. I mean, she has Michael, mm -hmm. but that's still her family. Like, she that's doesn't want, she doesn't want them to go down like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like you said, I don't even have anything incriminating to really say. I might be able to allude or remember a conversation, but. Just like Alonzo said in the training day, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. What you can prove. That's it. And she can't prove shit. She don't know. She don't know anything. She didn't know. She genuinely thought that that house blew up for a gas fire. That's just some shit she saw on the news. She had no idea her family was connected to that. Mm-hmm. Man, the theme of this episode should be naivete. Yeah. Yeah. Because Olivia even told her, like, come on. Like put these together. But but here's the thing. Why would I? Exactly. I I'm up here in the French Quarter. That's down somewhere in the lower ninth ward. I have no idea what goes on there. I don't go to school with those people. I don't interact with those people. It really is a two Americas situation. So why would I connect that? Good point. That just right. happenstance. You know, like, oh, that was his brother. I should I know? <laughs> Why would I know that? That's Very their family. Point. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Who knew? Not me. <laughs> 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 Not me. I know shit. <laughs> oh man, look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Not <thought>. me. <laughs> Very good points. I think we could talk about Michael and Fia. I think a lot of Michael's uh, involvement in this episode was tied to Fia. Yeah. Other than the ending scene, and even that was in a way tied to Fia. So we have Michael with baby Rocco, and there's a natural love and bond there. Yeah, they look good. Regardless of the relationship between the families, how they got there, like Michael's a natural grandfather. He has a natural love for Fia and for Rocco, baby mm -hmm. Rocco, should I say? Yeah. He tells her, like, you know, based off of the conversation he had with Elizabeth, but you guys are under strict order. You're not going anywhere. You are you are a blessing, not a burden. Yeah. You are more than welcome to be here. And she's playing or filling the role of having a child. 
And mm-hmm. I think Michael really enjoys that. He, he he finds peace in that. And we've been talking all season about what is Michael's purpose. And we are seeing it right in that scene. Like just the just him feeding Rocco was mm-hmm. all right, Michael's back. Even though he still got that beard. Yeah. Michael's found his purpose. Breakfast. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. This is Fia's essential first time having community for baby Rocco. Yeah, your family knows him, but it hasn't been that. She's in the hotel. Gina ain't making breakfast for baby Rocco. She's not coming over every day to feed him. There is a level of distance that Fia has rightfully so placed between her family and baby Rocco that Michael has just crossed all of them lines. Like He doesn't have those same boundaries with Fia and baby Rocco. I mean, think about the last time she left baby Rocco with her family. Well, hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's a very, very telling contrast in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael is just better fit for it. Yeah. She's better fit for it. It's come from a place of love. Whereas I don't even know if I can define what the Baxters have. Like, obviously that's Rocco. That's my godson. That's my grandson, whatever you want to call it. But it's different possession That's yeah. possessiveness mm-hmm. you might love and i think that jimmy wants to love and have that relationship but he can't because feel yeah. like <laughs> and that's what's crazy because i think yeah yeah i think jimmy would be first in line to do what everything that mike was doing he would be a doting grandfather because he was a doting father for fia Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Rocco, obviously not Carlo. Something got crossed in the wires there. But <laughs> Gina, Gina, Gina got crossed in the wires. Yeah, yeah. Gina got crossed in the wires. Um, I I did get a chuckle out of Fia trying to figure out life at seventeen and talk about her five year plan. I was sitting there like, oh, who's gonna tell her? You have no idea. Who's gonna tell her? And I am glad that Michael said, you know, in real life, we never, we're never on a five year plan. Like, that's just kind of how life works. You take it day by day. Um, so I'm glad he was that voice for her. And Michael gives Adam's college fund to Fia. Yeah. What you think about this? Uh, what else was he going to do with it? I mean, I guess he could take it and start a new life for himself. But now he has Fia to think about. He wants her to have a good life and baby Rocco Adam to have a good life. I thought it was that- dope. That was the first sign, I think, between that and Helms, them pretty much planting the seeds for these final two episodes of Michael's going to fall on the sword. Yeah. Um, play the martyr role, in a sense, for Fia and Rocco mm. to make sure that they have a clear out. Uh, Michael's very, very intentional and clear with Olivia that I do not want Fia or Rocco involved in this. If I have to be the one that gets inside the Baxters, I will. Yeah. I know that's what you want. I know that's your end goal. Fia's not going to do it because I don't want her doing it. So mm-hmm. I think he's setting up. If I need to be out of here, I'm cool with it being this way. Yeah. I'm cool with, you know, my grandson and my daughter. I'm not even going to say daughter-in-law, my daughter being okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that this was another semblance of us seeing how 
selfless Michael is. Michael is not selfish. Mm-mm. I think that he makes some questionable decisions. He's got some questionable integrity here and there, you know. Um, we all do. But he's not selfish. Nah. And for the most part, we've seen him try to do the right thing. And where we've seen the wrong decision, it wasn't for his own gain. You trying to save the life of your son. Like, yeah, you was fucked up for uh, framing Kofi, you know, and setting up some young random black boy to be put in the system. Like, fuck it. But overall and overwhelmingly so, we don't see Michael just doing shit for his own gain. Like, he really cares about the people that he cares about and tries to look out for them tries to cover them so i think that him doing this for fia and baby rocco was another example of him doing just that what we've seen him do mm-hmm. absolutely that's uh there's not many there's not a lot of examples of greater selflessness than mm-hmm. transferring a large sum of money to an individual yeah, yeah. i know we finish i know we finished harlem uh, which was another show we were doing on We Got Y'all. <laughs> but there was a moment in one of the final two episodes where a uh, character's aunt had given him $60,000. Yeah. $68,000 to, to take care of a problem. No strings attached. You know, I give money. I don't loan it. Just a complete selfless act. Not too many people like that in the world that say, hey, I got it. I'm going to give it. I don't want nothing in return for it. Michael That's is right. one of those people. That part. And it didn't surprise me at all that he transferred that college fund because I think he was probably looking for a reason to, you know, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with this? Yeah, he's not looking to start over, in my opinion. I think that Michael could go back to that butcher shop in St. Elizabeth House and be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, is he ever going to get remarried? No, my wife not. My wife, yeah, my wife ain't like me to begin with. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, he's fine. He's all right. Yeah, so um, I don't have anything else as far as the episode. Like I said, the ending scene with him and Olivia, obviously these last two, he's going to try to get Jimmy jammed up. We got a lot of desire stuff coming up. Gina, Big Mo, Big Mo, Janelle, Big Mo, Chris, Big Mo, Little Mo. Like Big Mo got beef with everybody for real. Yeah. How do we get here? How do we get to the point where Big Mo just got, she's just down, she's just ass out, her and Janelle in a microphone. That's it. Because Big Mo is selfish. Yeah. That's Eugene, of course. Yeah, Eugene, of course, and his trial, how that's going to play. Hopefully uh, we get Judge back on the on the stand. <laughs> you know, he can fix things. for. I know that's not going to happen because obviously he's been uh, disbarred. <laughs> barred. Um, but it would be nice just to have somebody set that up for Eugene because he deserves it, man. We can't have Eugene go in like that. Does Lee make a call to Charlie? I think Lee makes a call to Michael. That's what I thought, too, till she threw him under the bus. Yeah, but that information is not out yet. And I think that she, I don't know if we really had the conversation, but maybe there's a little bit of Lita's bluffing. 
Yeah, Leah's scared. Leah's scared her damn self. You know what I mean? It's one thing to say that to the DA or assistant DA, whoever it was, but it's another thing to actually go through with it. Yeah. And I think before it gets to that step, I think she might actually reach out to Michael on some like, I know what you did and you owe me. So how can we, you got I need you to tell me how to maneuver this. That wouldn't surprise me if that happened. I was going to say Costello, but I don't think Costello could help her in this particular situation. So I think it has to be Michael. But Michael doesn't owe her. And Lee isn't the only one with this information. Costello knows it. You don't think Michael owes Lee? For what? Because Lee knows what he did as far as her client being sent to jail. Like you put me in the fire of it. You let me like you made me believe that all this is going on. You cold blooded, Rachel. I've already been to jail. I've already lost everything. I don't owe you or anybody else shit. I've lost my best friend. I've lost my child, my wife, my career, my best friend. I don't owe you a motherfucking thing. I think we're starting to see Michael's moral compass come back. <laughs> I think I think I think we're starting to see it. And I think he's gonna do it. I think he's gonna do what he can. I don't know what he can do. I don't know what connections or plugs he has, but none. Something's gonna happen. What do you, want me, to do? What do you I, want me to do? Listen, I, I told you I can't even come in the building. I can't listen, even put in the courthouse. I told you that I was done making predictions, but I just think that <laughs> Michael going to do something. What it is, I don't know, but he's going to do he something. Might, and he might, but I think Charlie is the call. It could be Michael, but I think Charlie is the call because they know each other. I don't know. I don't see it. I just don't. I don't see it. Only reason is because if I'm Lee, I don't, I don't think Charlie's going to do anything. I have a greater belief that Michael would do something for Charlie. Okay. Okay. I yes, but desperate times, desperate times call for desperate measures. The only thing, the only way to get Charlie moving is to have something over Charlie. And I don't know if Lee knows anything that enough or she, I don't know if Lee knows enough to hold it over his head. She don't know shit about all of our recent developments. Yeah. yeah, so I don't think she knows. So I, I just that's why I think. But who knows? Like we could be wrong and Right. All the way around. It's happened. <laughs> yeah, it's happened before. It wouldn't be anything new. Um, we obviously have to wrap up the dirty cops because I don't think they just leave it there, right? We have to know, you know, what Costello's working on. What are they doing about this dirty cop situation? Does it end with that bullet to Beckwith? And that's it. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because Beckwith ain't dead. The ambulance came to get him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I refer to him being as dead, but mm -hmm. yeah. No, I'm just saying so. There is something there to pull from. That's what made me think a lot of this stuff happened like simultaneously because you, yeah. know, you can't have an episode where you don't even reference that. So we know it's coming back these last two episodes, but I really curious. I'm really curious to see how they tie it up and what Costello's working on. Like I said, mm -hmm. and how that storyline just kind of plays into everything else that we saw going on in Part 18. So mm -hmm. I don't know. You got oh. anything else, Ray? I don't. I think we hit it all. I think so, too. I think so, too. So that'll be it for right now. Um, we appreciate y'all tuning in. Part 18 of Your Honor on Showtime. We have two more weeks where it is going to come to an end. I think these last two are going to be a doozy. I think and I'm so. looking forward to talking about them. Um, 
Don't forget about the Culture Garden podcast. Romance Month is done. We just released Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen Creed 3, go to the theaters. It is a good movie. I enjoyed it. And we have a lot more movies coming for you this month. So we dropped those on Thursdays. Check out the link tree. Uh, we got some good stuff coming for you. Excited to get things rolling. Ray P, if that's all you got. That's it. All right, man. Well, appreciate you again. Welcome back to Stateside. Thank you. Everybody out there listening, y'all be cool. How y'all be cool. Peace out. (laughs) And that's a wrap. Cut.